This is the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. We have your back with everything from games, lessons, and coaching. YouthworkerCollective.com Welcome to the Youth Worker Collective Podcast. I am Jeremy, and uh, we're here with some incredible youth workers. And we're going to talk about this phenomenon when students cry every year at camp and then just go back to their normal lives. And this kind of stems from a question I received from a very frustrated youth worker a couple of months ago who just was like, is it even worth doing this stuff? So before we dive into that, uh, let's just kind of go around and introduce ourselves. Just tell us who you are, where you're from. We'll start with you, Paulo. Hey, I'm Paulo and uh, serve as director of NextGen Ministries here in the Virginia Conference. And Kurt. Yeah, I am Kurt. I work in the Illinois Great Rivers Conference in camping and youth ministries. Audra. I'm Audra. I work with youth and adults at Plymouth Park United Methodist in Irving, which is a suburb of Dallas. And Kelly. Hi, I'm Kelly. I'm the national staff person around Camping and Retreat Ministries for Division on Young People's Ministries of Discipleship Ministries. All right. So I feel like we have all clearly done our fair share of making students go to bed on the last night when they're all still crying. (laughs) So first, let's just start. Why do you think that happens? Where does that come from? I would say that I think it's probably the most intentional Christian living environment or intentional Christian community that a young person has lived in, you know, realizing that kids mostly go to Sunday school and church once a week, or maybe they go to youth group once a week, but 24 seven for seven days in an intentional Christian community is quite an emotional and spiritual and physical experience as far as the fatigue, because kids are being outdoors when they're usually not, you know, they're in the small groups, they're in worship every day. And I think it just, at the end of the week, it's a whole lot in a very short amount of time. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I also think there's an aspect of, I don't want to blame this the wrong way, but it's the only phrase that's coming to my mind. There's an aspect of emotional manipulation sometimes, depending on which camp you go to. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The first time I went to, I took my kids to a camp where we sat down last night and not a single person cried. I felt like the biggest failure. you know, young 20s, not really knowing. So I was like, what? What?" I guess they just didn't like camp. Like none of them encountered God because none of them were like sobbing on their friend's shoulder. Right. But (laughs) I know you're left left thinking, what do I need to do to make them cry next time? Right. right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget. I was in a cabin and there were a sixth grade. There was a sixth grade boy and an eighth grade boy getting ready. And and I don't know why, but a lot of the camps that I've gone to that last night, people do a little extra to get ready for that last night as far as like actually take a shower as a sixth grader. But they were getting ready and they were reeking of acts. And they, what, the sixth grader said to the eighth grader, he's like, is this the night where we all cry? And the eighth grader was like, yeah, this is the one. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> like, is that an okay thing to, is that okay to be a thing? I mean, what do you, 
Kurt, what do you think? Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, being able to be vulnerable around your friends, I think, is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a combination of recognizing their closeness to God throughout the week and uh, mm -hmm. being absolutely exhausted and the beginning of the goodbye for the, the week. Right. You know, there's just a whole lot going on. And uh, I'm amazed at how poorly sometimes we can put together an evening service the last night and still <laughs> a few of the kids will be sobbing on the floor and I'll be thinking, I have no idea what they're crying about. But uh, It turns out it wasn't relying on your ability to put together a polished service. Oh, absolutely. They haven't slept for a week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think also, you, you talk to a lot of kids and they feel like they're like a different person at camp than they are at home. Mm -hmm. And they have very unique relationships and friendships at camp that they don't have at home yeah. either. Um, and, and knowing that it's going to be an entire year before they connect with those people again, because for a lot of campers, once they head out that gate, they go back to the real world mm -hmm. and it is different. And the people they encounter, the relationships they have are very, and who they are, are very different than sometimes than they are at camp. Like you said, they're more vulnerable. They don't necessarily feel they have to be this or that to fit in. I think the recent research that, that we just did, it was like 93% of kids felt that they could totally be themselves at camp in a way that they didn't feel at yeah. home. That's good. We've all watched kids make real important decisions on you know a million different levels at camp and then take them home. And all of that seems to, for some of them, you know, it just seems to just go out the window. Uh, how do you deal with that? <laughs> That's a great question. By the way, uh, on, a, on a side note, being from Brazil, we have camp meetings um, mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. And last nights are like the ones in the U.S. on steroids. So <laughs> stuff, stuff happens. And I think um, I agree with what everybody has said so far. I would say um, that there's a mix. There's there is the danger of manipulation, but I think there's a mix of of freedom, but also expectation. Mm -hmm. Kids expect to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it ends up happening. I mean, and this is true for us. When we expect, you know, I think of Advent, we're talking about Advent soon, right? And uh, when, when you come to something like Advent with expectation, mm -hmm. it's a different outcome than if you come without expectation. Right. I think, so I think expectation dictates a lot of the experience for kids and for leaders. It's the talk up as, as you're getting close to the camp, everybody that's going with you saying, oh man, it's going to be awesome. Last year, everybody cried, you know, that sort of thing. I think it, I think it builds up. I think camps are awesome. I think retreats are awesome. I think going on week-long uh, mission trips that have that sort of same effect is, is great. I think the problem is staking the spiritual health of teenagers on the experience is the problem. And, and so what I find is that when a retreat or a camp is used as a tool that complements discipleship that's happening within, you know, established sort of processes and routines and relationships throughout the year, then I don't see it fading away as much as it does typically. But when everybody looks forward all year long just for that one experience, then it, it goes away just as quickly as it comes, right? And so it should be that something like a camp is something that a, a youth worker 
uses as a tool in the overall discipleship strategy where they say this i know this is coming uh how do we prepare for it and how do we prepare for after that right. instead of just saying oh you know my kids just really need a kick in the butt and we need to take them to camp yeah uh, i don't yeah. think it works long term right. it just doesn't work and jeremy i would say that we as camp people and as youth workers can be proactive in the situation when i was overseeing camp i made it a point to have my staff, um, they carried around like little notebooks and they would take like little notes on their kids throughout the week. And then I could write a pastor back and say, this is what I saw in your kid this week. Mm -hmm. um, this was our curriculum. This was the theme we had. These were the Bible verses we used. And so I would give information back to the church so that they could continue the conversation or that they had the information that, hey, their kid got to the point where they were willing to lead a prayer during the week, or they you know, were really great at um, you know, taking part in memorizing scripture, or they were kind to another person, or they had this, you know, whatever it was, I was intentional about being proactive of having, uh, of being aware of what was going on and communicating that yeah. back. And, you know, giving opportunities for the for churches to go beyond the kids all standing up on Sunday in their camp T-shirts going, woohoo, and then it's just dying, you yeah. know. If you know your kids are going to camp, contact that camp. Find out what curriculum they're using. What are their themes? What, what's going on? And then you can help prepare your kids, and then you can follow up with your kids. I think it needs to be an intentional partnership and connection that you make with the camp experience. And Kelly, can I just say, I'm really happy that you mentioned that. If I could speak to the other side of that, which is folks that are organizing those camps. Mm -hmm. Number one, if you're a youth worker seeking a camp or a retreat, look for people that are organizing those that realize that what they're doing isn't the end game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so like, we have youth retreats every fall on the Virginia Conference. We had to do a pretty big shift with them where we thought of it as a means for discipleship and eventually realized you don't disciple people in three days. Right. And so how can we shift this experience to be complementary to what youth workers are doing day in and day out? And mm -hmm. so I began asking questions to youth workers, what would be helpful? What are things that y'all are dealing with? And how can you give us the baton that weekend? And how can we just give it back to you at the end? Right. So that it, you know, it's not about the experience, but it's about what part this plays in the overall strategy of youth ministries working with people that are organizing these events that are thinking that way exactly what you're talking about kelly i think is crucial yeah i think too that you know i often forget about the camps that are staffed for uh, an individual where they can send a single kid to it and i've actually had several youth ministry friends who said you know what we actually had that sort of a culture of sending our kids to camp and uh, not having to be part of it ourselves. And they ended up pushing into a little bit of a different direction, uh, not changing the camp, but making sure that somebody from the church went with the kids, some yeah. adult that would be a volunteer or the youth worker or the pastor. One of my pastor friends goes to camp with the kids every year. And he talks about how he wants to be there Last year, they had two kids that went, but the pastor went with them and he wants to be able to, to, he wants to form those spiritual mentor relationships in that supercharged environment of a camp so that when they go back, 
the connections that they made at camp weren't just with people that they won't ever see again, you know, or may not see until, you know, a year, six months later. But they, some of those mentoring relationships are people where they're going home and finding ways. I have another friend who actually goes, he can't go to all of it, but he goes to the last day or last day and a half really of camp for his kids. Uh, he works full-time job, so he couldn't take the whole week off. So, you know, I think all of that, I'm, I'm curious, are there, for those, that style of camp, the camp is staffed by people, the small groups are led by people that the camp hires and all of that. What are some ways that you've seen people connect with those camps, you know, in, in a way more than just sending the kids and receiving the kids back? I've never had the privilege to do that camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, that's brilliant. I don't know what I was thinking when I, <laughs> when I was in a little church. <laughs> I've only ever done like conference stuff and like I did Zoom life camp a couple of times. <laughs> right. So you, you're staffing the camp. Kelly, it sounds like you've got a lot more experience with that. I mean, how have you seen that happen in a healthy way? Um, well, you know, it depends. Some camps, you know, like the site people are hired people, but then the deans every week are volunteers. And a lot of times they come from your churches and things like that. So it's pretty easy to um, have a communication with whoever the dean or program director for the week is and to be proactive, like I said, in asking questions about these are my kids. This is what we've been working on. What are your themes? What do your small groups look like? Or, you know, sometimes I've even sent curriculum to the local church saying, mm -hmm. you know, this is what our week looks like. Sometimes it's been something super easy like giving talking to my program directors or my deans of they put like posters up in the dining hall or in the worship space or whatever that says you know where have you seen god this week how have you grown this week and just a bunch of post-it notes right mm -hmm. and the kids just wrote on them through the week and post put them on these posters the program directors took pictures of the posters at the end of the week sent it to me and then I was able to send that out to the churches oh, that's of, cool this is what was going on during that week and then like I said the personal letters about their individual kids is I used to just have a journal at um, sitting in the staff room and during staff meeting every day they passed around the journal and they would write the kids if, if they had a kid that they've seen some growth or you know acts of compassion or generosity or like they led a prayer they would just you know put the kid's name and put a note about what they saw and at the end of the week I would get the journal back and I could go through it and then I could write a youth worker or a pastor about what I saw in their individual kids and that really helps too because yeah. then they can build upon that growth that was seen during the week. Well wow, that's a, a whole lot and I appreciate all of you for spending the time with us on this issue because it's one of those things that it's, it's like the one of the cornerstones of all of the youth ministries I've ever seen. Um, and I think it's important for us to kind of be intentional about it and, and think through what that means and, and how we can be appropriate, not manipulate people emotionally, but, you know, leverage it for real impact. I hope that for those of you who are listening, that this has been helpful to you. We've got a ton of stuff because sometimes you can feel like you're out on your own. Uh, working with students. And uh, we want you to not have to feel like that when you get online to know that we've got your back with games and lessons and coaching and all sorts of ideas. If you want all of that, you can get that at youthworkercollective.com. And if you'd like more podcasts like this one, you can go to youthworkercollective.com slash podcast. <laughs>